going to read the first few verses from the 103rd Psalm. Psalm 103, the Psalm of David. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. <clears throat> I would simply remind you that David is calling us to bless God, to bless Jehovah with all our might, with all our power, with all that is within us to bless Jehovah. I would remind you, although this may seem like a tautology, but I would remind you not to forget. David is calling us not to forget all the benefits that we have received from Jehovah, from our God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? We looked at that last week. Who forgiveth all? Please underline all. I believe David was underlining all. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? And again, who healeth all thy diseases? Who healeth all thy diseases? And I've become convinced with no doubt at all that David is talking about both physical disease and spiritual disease. One has written these words very concisely and I think very correctly when he said man is twice diseased and the God-man alone possesses the double cure. Now that expression, double cure, may remind you of Augustus Toplady and his well-known hymn, Rock of Ages. But uh, it's wonderful, the insight that the Lord gave to Toplady. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. And that's what these men are saying is that we have this disease, we have this guilt of sin, and we have this power of sin. We need a double cure. And Christ alone, God through Christ, the God-man alone possesses that double cure. I was struck somewhat by that selection tonight, how vast the benefits, because the writer speaks of guilt and shame. And I thought, wow, he must have been paying attention to Top Lady, and then I saw that Top Lady wrote that as well. He's insisting on it, isn't he? That we have a double problem. We have a problem as far as our healing is, re is referred to. We have two kinds of diseases. We have physical diseases. We hear a lot about that. We don't hear so much about spiritual diseases, but we know them to ourselves. We don't usually raise those issues in Sunday school, do we? But we have them nonetheless. And they abound in our land, as well as in number, probably more than physical diseases. And they're somewhat hidden from us. We're not able always to recognize. 
There's, there, but the sinner must be both acquitted from condemnation and rendered free from pollution. Acquitted from condemnation and also at the same time rendered free from pollution. That's what we have here, I believe, with David saying, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, we must be acquitted from condemnation. We talked last time about justification and forgiveness. And here now he's talking about he heals all our diseases, all thy diseases, every one of thy diseases, whether it's spiritual or whether it's physical. He heals them. This only can God accomplish. Pardon and purity are the medicines of the gospel to heal spiritually and to heal physically in a lot of situations. Christ alone is the good physician, is he not? The only good physician. And we may witness this confluence of forgiveness with healing in the account that's given to us in the Gospel of Mark. Not chapter 6, but chapter 2. The Gospel of Mark in the second chapter. And there are other accounts that parallel this sort of thing. But in Mark 2, we read about Christ. And when he entered again into Capernaum after some days, it was noise that he was in the house. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room for them. No, not even about the door. And he spake the word unto them. They were in this house and it was packed full. He couldn't even get into the door. And they come, they, these ones that spoken of carrying this man, bringing unto him a man sick of the palsy, born of four, carried by four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, where Christ was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus, seeing their faith, I'm not sure whose faith he's seeing, if it's, it, he says there in the plural, like it's those four that have faith if they let this friend down, that Jesus will heal him. Seeing their face saith unto the sick of the palsy, the Son, thy sins are forgiven. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak? He blasphemeth. Who can forgive sins but one, even God? And straightway Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, saith unto them, Why reason ye these things? In your hearts. Which is easier? To say to the sick of the palsy. Thy sins are forgiven. Or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk. In other words this that we're looking at. This spiritual healing. And this physical healing. Jesus is saying. I can do both. One's not harder than the other. Which is easier he says. But that ye may know. That the son of man hath authority on earth. To forgive sins which he had already said to the man, thy sins are forgiven. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed and go unto thy house. And he arose and straightway took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. 
which is easier? For God, for the God-man, which is easier? He can do either one. He's all-powerful. He can do either one, and he does do both when, whenever it pleased him to do so. When here below, Christ forgave, not only forgave sin, but he likewise healed disease. Many times in the Gospels, this is the case. He is not only Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, that we looked at last week. God will provide, Abraham told his son Isaac. Where's the lamb, Father? God will provide, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide, and we saw last week, I trust, that God provided a ransom for us. And he has provided a ransom for all those whom he has placed in Christ, for every single one for whom Christ died. He has found a ransom for them that we may be pronounced not guilty. But he is equally Jehovah, Rapha, Jehovah heals. He has granted us through his atonement the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit to set us apart, the help of God the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, set us apart in that sense. And Christ has provided that for us. God has provided. He is the one that heals, Jehovah Rapha. And he is, that, is, that comes to us through his atonement, through all his merit, that we are being set apart. Progressive sanctification, being set apart, being conformed unto the image of Jesus Christ through sanctification. It was on the eve of his death, the eve of his death, shortly before he was going to be nailed to the cross. In the upper room, Christ speaking to his disciples in John 17, in verse 17, that he prayed, sanctify them in thy truth, in the truth, thy word is truth, sanctify them. And he wasn't praying only for those disciples in the room with him, but he was praying for all those for whom he was going to die. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. We read the words of Paul when he said, For if while we were sinners we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more... Being reconciled, shall we be saved? You see the distinction here. We're reconciled. That seems to speak of justification. Much more, though, being reconciled, shall we be saved? Shall we be being saved? By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the grace of the God-man, we have this distinction here between reconciled and shall we be saved. This distinction between justification and sanctification. Sanctification is indeed spiritual healing, is it not? Christ reconciled God to us in order that we might be reconciled to him. He reconciled God. He satisfied God's justice that was against the people that Christ was dying for, but he satisfied God. 
He reconciled God to us that we might be reconciled to God. We were the ones that had done wrong. That we might be reconciled through the blood that Christ shed. Forgiven. Justified. And we shall be saved by the risen Christ. We are reconciled, forgiven through the death, and we are saved, being saved also through the death of Christ. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, physical diseases like we just heard about in Mark 6. Those that were healed, physical healing. Forget not all those benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Forget them not. We were reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ to God, and we received these blessings. And we are challenged here not to forget them. Not, forget, not to forget the cost of them. We have something of a parallel in the New Testament Again, between these words, when David calls to us, when he calls us not to forget him who has forgiven, not to forget these benefits from who has forgiven all our iniquities and who is healing all our diseases. John, in his first epistle, speaks in a similar fashion when he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those whom he has forgiven, he has determined to cleanse, to sanctify, pardon and purgation, purging of sin, cleansing, forgiveness and cleansing. When God bestows forgiveness, he bestows sanctification. There are two sides, we can say, of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. Justification and sanctification go hand in hand. You can't separate them. They cannot be separated. You can't have one without the other. The very idea... And sadly, we have people professing to be Christians. We have people in, in different religions and so on, but we have people that, that teach this very idea of being forgiven without being sanctified. Being forgiven. Being made heirs of heaven, whichever way they want to put it, without being sanctified, without giving up their sin, without hating their sin. Loving salvation, but not loving Christ. Loving their salvation, but not hating their sin. It's preposterous. It's a preposterous idea. How many believe, nonetheless, that they have been saved from hell? Some fire escape kind of salvation whose hearts are yet unsanctified. Many sadly desire to be saved from the punishment of sin without actually being saved from the sin itself. That's not part of God's plan for his people. Repentance is essential. Faith is essential. 
Many desire safety without any desire for sanctification at all. But these are corollaries, as it were. That is, they are intrinsically correlated and cannot be separated. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There must necessarily be, along with pardon and forgiveness, healing. Not just physical healing, but spiritual healing. Many are the instances in Scripture of the confluence of physical and spiritual healing. We saw one with the man lowered through the roof in Mark 2. But we hear in the Old Testament, Jeremiah crying out, Heal me, O Jehovah, and I shall be healed. But he goes on to say, Save me, and I shall be saved. For thou art my praise. I want to be saved. I want to be healed. Whether he's speaking of physical healing or spiritual healing. He wants to be healed as well as saved. Christ in God. Excuse me. God in Christ is the alone healer of both soul and body. Conformity to the likeness of Christ Jesus. Conformity unto Jesus Christ is the standard of spiritual health. Even discontent, evidenced by murmuring, we find in the scripture, even discontent, one has said, is a mental cancer. In this verse, David is not to be considered as exclusively referring to spiritual healing. The gracious Lord and our Savior heals from physical healings as well, again, as we saw in Mark 2. But nevertheless, the diseases of the soul, the diseases of the soul are far more deadly than diseases of the body. But Christ is a healer of both. But mark those words. The diseases of the soul are far more deadly than the diseases of the body. Christ has proven himself willing to heal of both spiritual diseases and physical diseases. He is the health of my countenance and my God, David said elsewhere. He is the health of my countenance and my God. We need to be crying out again and again with the many in Scripture, Lord, that I may be cleansed from my leprosy. Lord, that I may be made whole. Lord, that I may receive my sight. Lord, that I may be healed. Lord, that I may be sanctified. Lord, that I might be holy. Remember the faith of the centurion asking Christ to heal his servant. And his faith was was so wonderful. Christ himself said it, it exceeded. It exceeded. The faith of this Gentile exceeds what, it, what he had seen from anyone else. But the centurion said, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word. And he'll be healed. And he was. 
Truly, all the intervening circumstances are somewhat ir irrelevant. It is God, it is our Lord, it is Jesus Christ that heals. And he can use whatever means he wishes. He can just say the word, like this centurion asked him, and the servant was healed. He can, he can touch the person's wound. He can, he can touch their eyes and give them sight. But at times he doesn't do that. He, he just tells them to open their eyes and they look and they can see. The means are left up to God. We're not to dictate to God the means that he uses for these physical healings. There's an example in Isaiah 38. You recall perhaps the sickness of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. We read that in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. The prophet told him God's word, thou shalt die and not live. What means were used by Hezekiah? Immediately, he turned his face to the wall and he prayed. Prayer is a means, is it not? Prayer is a means that God has ordained, a blessing that he has given us, the privilege of prayer. And Hezekiah used that means. And we read that he recovered, but listen to what came in between. We read that Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs Lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. And he did. Did he, did he say, did Hezekiah say, a, a cake of figs? What are you talking about? What kind of a deal is that? A cake of figs? It reminds you, doesn't it, of, of the Syrian leper, Naaman? When he came and, and he expected Elisha to, or Elijah rather, to, to command some great feat from him in order to be healed of his leprosy. And, and he, the prophet told him, go and bathe in the Jordan. We've got better rivers in Syria. What are you talking about? Disdaining the means appointed. Never, never disdain prayer, of course, but if a cake of figs is called for, then use it. It's what we're learning from this. We see a contrary case in Second Chronicles Second Chronicles 16, there's a, there's a contrary case there with King Asa. We read about Asa in Second Chronicles 16, <clears throat> verse 12. We're told that in the 30th and 9th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet. His disease was exceeding great, yet in his disease he sought not to Jehovah. He didn't imitate Hezekiah. He, he, he didn't seek to Jehovah, but to the physicians. What was the outcome of that? The next verse simply says in six words, and Asa slept with his fathers. He didn't call upon God. He depended upon his physicians, apart from calling. Absolutely contrary from Hezekiah's behavior. We're told by James about the, the prayer of faith. In James 5.15, the prayer of faith that may heal. Prayer is important, an important means. But we have many other means that, that we may employ. But it's still, it doesn't, it's irrelevant as I've already said. We can employ them, they may work, they may not. 
But whether they do or not, it's God's sovereign power of healing that heals a disease and that heals a spiritual disease. It's God's sovereign power. Have mercy upon me, O Jehovah, for I am withered away, O Jehovah. Heal me, for my bones are troubled, David cried. But the believer, the one trusting in God, his soul reposes on unerring wisdom. His soul, whatever means, his soul reposes on unerring wisdom. Whether it's go in the Jordan and wash, whether it's put a cake of figs on the boil, they trust God. And in reference to whatever may be, the ultimate issue, he feels that he can be both thankful to live and willing to die. It is well with my soul, bless Jehovah. The believer can cry. Whosoever offereth thanksgiving, David says in another psalm, glorifieth me. God says, whosoever offereth the sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his way aright will I show the salvation of God. There's thanksgiving involved. Do we remember? Is that not part of forgetting? Forget not all the benefits David is calling us to do. Forget not. Isn't that one of the extreme cases of forgetfulness when we don't thank? God for the mercies that he has shown us. It may be some simple little cut on a finger or something, but those things can get infected. And I remember a man years ago that almost lost his finger that way through an infection that was a simple little cut. It's God that delivers, but, and this man was a pagan of sorts. I'm confident he never gave God thanks for healing his finger after some struggles. But we need to be careful to give God the praise and the thanks. That's part of forgetting not all these benefits, forgetting not him who heals all thy diseases. You remember that, those 10 lepers that Christ healed in Luke chapter 17. He healed 10 lepers that were calling unto him for healing, and he healed them. Nine of them just walked off. Oh, great, that's cool. They just walked off, healed. One of them came to thank him and praise him. And we're told that that man was a Samaritan. We need to be careful when we're healed. Whatever it is, spiritual healing, physical healing, we need to give thanks. Forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth. All thy diseases, we need to remember to give thanks. We need to thank God for that double cure that is provided by the God-man. One writer, commentator George Horn, his consideration upon the relationship or the relation of iniquities and diseases between forgiveness and healing is interesting. He said these things. He said, what is pride but lunacy? What is anger but a fever? What is avarice but a dropsy? 
What is lust but a leprosy? What is sloth but a dead palsy? He's likening these sinful behaviors, these spiritual problems with physical problems. Putting them together. Sinful passions, and others said, are the diseases of the soul. Did God's blessing stop at the forgiveness of sin and not go on to cure the madness in our hearts? We should be both vile and miserable forever. Those systems that baptize their infants and pronounce them purged of sin, totally righteous through that ordination, that sacrament of baptism, but then they've got to go the rest of their life using works of penance and all those other things in order to actually, in their minds, be saved. They are miserable and vile forever. After remission of sin and justification of our persons, there remains much inbred corruption in many, not only bodily, but also in especially sinful infirmities diseases and maladies of our souls, whereby we become unable to do good, the good that we want to do, or to separate, to eschew evil, as the word is, which we would not do. God has provided a physician for all these things, our Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of sanctification through Christ bestowed upon all those whom he justified. Isn't that what Paul was crying about in Romans 7? Oh, wretched man that I am. That which I would not do, that I do. That which I would do, I do not. Who shall save me? I thank God for Jesus, the good physician, I'll paraphrase it. Isaiah speaks in the first chapter of his prophecy about soul sickness. If you think along with me on this, these are soul sicknesses that he's speaking of, and yet they're comparable in many cases to physical ills. Ah, sinful nation of people laden with iniquity. O seed of evildoers, children that deal corruptly, they have forsaken Jehovah. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are estranged and gone backward. Why will ye be still stricken that ye revolt more and more? The whole head is sick. See how he brings in the physical aspects. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and fresh, fresh stripes. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with oil. There's this crossover again between physical and spiritual diseases again and again in the scriptures. This crossover again, this confluence of physical and spiritual diseases. In Psalm 41.4, David said, O Jehovah, have mercy upon me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. 
I have sinned against thee. Heal. Putting that necessity for healing for sin. The soul requires healing even as the body requires healing and Christ is the only physician for them both. Again, we would iterate, man is twice diseased and the God-man alone possesses the double cure. O Jehovah, my God, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me. David said elsewhere, is that from physical or, or spiritual? We're not told. But it doesn't matter according to Psalm 103 because it's the God-man. It's through the God-man. He's our great physician. God heals. He forgives all iniquity and he heals all diseases, whether diseases of the soul or diseases of the body. I will restore health unto thee, we read in Jeremiah, and I will heal thee of thy wounds. But if you read the context, that's Jeremiah 30, 17. If you read the context, you see that again, it's Israel being in sin, in rebellion, sinning against God. But God speaks through the prophet of restoring health unto them, healing them of their wounds, but they are evidently spiritual wounds. And he's speaking of spiritual health. In our Psalm 103, forgiveness precedes healing. And so here again, Jehovah Jireh follows Jehovah. is followed by Jehovah Rapha. The one that forgives all the iniquity is the one that heals all the diseases. Jehovah Jireh provided the Lamb of God in the thicket. Jehovah Rapha is the one that provided the tree to throw in the waters of Marah. In Exodus 15, you remember, and it's amazing that it's right after the, the children uh, that just were rescued from Egypt, uh, the bondage of Egypt, and singing that song, Miriam and the others singing that song unto God of, of praise. And yet it's only two verses later and they come to a, a Mara. They come to some water and they've been three days without water and they're murmuring and complaining against God. Just a couple of days ago they were singing praises. But God says unto them that he is the one that heals. He's the one that heals. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah that heals. He healed through that tree being thrown in. He took away the bitterness. He healed the waters. And he healed the people through that of their thirst. Jehovah will provide. Jehovah will heal. Go tell John the things that you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. And what else? The poor have good tidings preached to them. Spiritual healing, physical healing. Jesus Christ was performing both. The God-man is the good and great physician. Physical healing was only incidental to his chief object. It was only incidental. 
he was healing, the primary object was healing the souls of men. How often he cast out demons. And how often he healed blindness and lameness and so on, but it was connected with physical or spiritual healing rather. How many times do we read as that woman that came up and touched Christ's garment that we were just reminded of? How many times like that Jesus says, thy faith hath made thee whole. That's spiritual. And yet she was healed of this affliction that she'd spent all her money on physicians for. He healed it. Her faith has healed it, he said. He told her. This Jesus who his own self bare our sins in his body upon the tree. That we having died unto sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We are being healed. We've been healed and we are being healed. From physical diseases but much, much more importantly from spiritual diseases. Again, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is true. Spiritual healing is the design of God in our sanctification. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Set them apart. And we know that to them that love God, Paul wrote, all things work together for good even to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he foreordained, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he, also, whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's reasonable to put sanctification in there. Nobody's going to be glorified unless they are being sanctified. Glorification is like the final chapter of sanctification. And it has ever been God's purpose to conform his people to the image of his son. It's always been his purpose. For that he called them, he foreordained them, he justified them, and he will glorify them for this cause. He set them apart, he sanctified them, and he is sanctifying them, he is setting them apart. They are being set apart. They are being conformed to the image of his dear son. That's what sanctification is all about. Progressively sanctified by the truth himself. Sanctify them by, in the truth, in the truth, and Christ is the truth. Sanctify them. God is saving. He has saved his people and is saving us. He's sanctifying us. He set us apart in Christ and he is setting us apart. God, the Holy Spirit working in us that we may be like his son, conformed unto his image. Oh, that we might, that we might be less concerned about being reformed Baptists and much, much more serious and concerned about being conformed Christians. That we would pray the prayer of the leper, if thou wilt. Remember that leper? If thou wilt, Jesus, thou can make me clean. We need to be praying that prayer. Let us pray.
Our Father and our God, we thank thee. We thank thee for thy word. And we thank thee, O Lord our God, that we have been taught that thou art sanctifying us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. And we thank thee that our Lord Jesus Christ is the living word. Come to save us, come to sanctify us, come to set us apart. Hallelujah, what a savior. We thank thee for all these things. Help us, O Lord our God, never to forget any of these things. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand for the benediction from Psalm 33, verses 21 and 22. For our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy loving kindness, O Jehovah, be upon us according as we have hoped in thee. Amen.